There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 16th of February 2010. For newcomers to the show, look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website. I always suggest you bookmark all the other sites you'll see on that front page and bookmark them for future use because the big ones go down once in a while. And I, here there I can't upload the, rec- the recent shows to them. So if you've got all these other ones bookmarked, you can pull down the latest shows. There's cuttingthroughthematrix.com, there's .net, .us, .ca, there's Alan Watt, cuttingthroughthematrix.ca, there's cuttingthrough.jenkness.com, and Alan Watt, sentinel.eu. The last one is a European site. You can still get the audio, same audios from there. They're uploaded regularly. And you can have transcripts for download as well and choose from the various languages of Europe. Print them up, pass them around to your friends. And the tin can moment is always very brief. I always put it at the beginning, which is rather silly. If it was a salesman, I'd keep scattering it throughout the show so you'd have to listen. And uh, rather than just skip over it. But the fact is, you bring me to you, you're the audience. The ads you hear in this show are paid by advertisers straight to RBN to pay for the airtime their bills, their equipments, their broadcast of the show, and their staff, the board ops, etc., engineers. So it's up to you to keep me going, and you can do so by buying the things I have for sale on cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Have a look in. There's a whole bunch of stuff. There's a lot more discs up there as well, and, and sometimes some of these discs have 50 shows or more on them, in fact, and they're cheap uh, as far as uh, the prices today go. For so many different shows And you could donate as well And remember from the US to Canada Personal checks are good You can also use an international Postal money order from your post office Make sure it's the international one though uh, That's the one with the pinkish border uh, Don't come away with the purely green one That's internal use only uh, You can also use uh, MoneyGram Western Union or Cash Or you can Use PayPal. You can donate through PayPal. If you want to purchase through PayPal, just send a separate email with your order along with the PayPal, the separate PayPal payments, and I'll get it out to you. Outside the America, same idea. Uh, Cash, Western Union, uh, MoneyGram, or PayPal. It's up to you how you want to do it. But it's important, as I say, that people do donate because uh, it's generally the same regular people, the few who just trickle me over, as I say, I trickle over. I don't rush like a, like a big river, just a trickle over because this is not a business. But at the same time, I don't want to be eating the, the worst food in the world, which I pretty well am anyway. That's almost all you can get. So keep me going and donate or purchase and we'll go for a while yet, especially during this time when the world is changing so fast. And there's so many front groups out there, I can't, you can't count them all. Who gets their, their writings in the newspapers, big media papers, 
uh, put in there every single day. There's a new organization sounding very official, but in reality they're private foundations, private think tanks, all funded by the same main five foundations uh, who really run the parallel governments of the world. That's exactly what Carl Quigley said, and he should know since he was the historian for the Council on Foreign Relations. Uh, that's how the world is run, by very rich men who generally own the world banks. They are international money lenders as well as national ones. They own goodness knows how many international corporations across the planet, but they also own the foundations. Therefore, they fund the NGOs into existence to run your lives. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watson. This is Cutting Through the Matrix. It's interesting how the Western countries think we're so advanced, really so advanced, compared to certain other countries. They call them third world countries. And really it goes along with the fallacy that we're somehow, we've got more checks on things, more, more safety checks and different levels of securities to make sure that everything is fine in your food supply, stuff like that. And, and of course, nothing really is further. That's the greatest cover you could have, isn't it, is respectability. And, and we're trained to view governments uh, as being somehow uh, part of us, like coming from us, and, and truly interwoven with us like ordinary people. And because of that, we don't really question what they say to us very much at all, or even what they do to us. I can remember when it broke out in Canada that Canadians were the test rats, basically, for the GM food products, and had been for 10 years, and we didn't know it. It broke out because of a a controversy in Britain, where Tony Blair was um, going to pass the same thing over there for them to eat, and the people didn't want it. And uh, some group over there found out that, that Canada had been the guinea pig for all this. That's how we found out in Canada. Otherwise, we'd never have known. And then the Canadian government rushed out the biggies to make us, to reassure us it was okay. And they even put silly little things on the CBC News on it, uh, maybe a two-minute uh, interview with a, a girl next to the road selling corn uh, and asking, uh, what does she think of the corn? Any difference at all? And, of course, she says, uh, no, eh? And that was it. And that's the standard st- stuff, uh, making a joke out of something. Something. Well, I could tell what the difference was because, you see, the, the GM corn, apart from having hundreds of different uh, genes from different species in it, insects, plants, uh, animals, goodness knows what else, maybe even humans for all we know, had, it was also created to be resistant to incredibly heavy pesticides, much, much more uh, volatile, nasty stuff than they had been using before. And that was the difference. Now you were taking in highly carcinogenic material under the guise of food. But the Canadian government did admit in the newspapers at the time that they'd made a secret deal. A secret deal. Your government, this respectable government, made a secret deal with Monsanto and another company to grow and test these foods out in Canadians. 
Isn't that amazing? Eh? And we think, as I say, we're so advanced with all these checks and safeties and all the other things. Nonsense. It's just, mind you, if you want to depopulate the planet, and that is your part of your agenda, and all these Fabians certainly are, that is part of their agenda, then you would go ahead with that. And though you'll bring up the, up the death rate with cancers and allergies, of course, are incredibly well associated with the chemicals, etc., uh, and asthma, all of that kind of stuff, which is breaking out. And, well, as I say, it's common sense. It's common sense. But we're not supposed to use common sense. We're supposed to put it to the side and listen to the sponsored scientists that come out to reinsure us, like David Suzuki. That's who they pulled out when we found out we were the guinea pigs. David Suzuki, the environmentalist geneticists who equated people with maggots. And that lecture, that little talk that he gave to his pals at the time is up on YouTube when he says it. Another Fabian socialist, uh, Marxist. But anyway, here's India. India, and this is from the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, February the 10th, uh, it says, banned the GM eggplants which received approval from an Indian government scientist last October. Uh, it says, India has decided to stop the release of its first genetically modified food crop because of health concerns. One of India's largest seed companies, Mako, had developed a GM eggplant which it said was modified to be pest resistant. That means it can stand up to incredibly high doses of these highly carcinogenic pesticides, which get into all the cells of the plant and then you go and eat it. But after weeks of heated debates on whether the GM eggplants could be, should be grown on farms for commercial use, the Indian government says it wants more time to study the issue. The GM vegetable has undergone field trials since 2008 and received approval from government scientists last October, who I'm sure were well paid by the corporations. But anyway, but state governments across India, as well as politicians, Environmentalist farmers have opposed its production, saying there are serious health and safety issues associated with it. Now, the environment minister says not enough is known about the effects of the GM crops on humans. Well, that's not true. You can look at the Canadian health and how it's plummeting, and other countries too that's using it. it says India allowed the use of genetically modified seeds for cotton in 2002. So there you are, India. India has enough common sense. To, and the people have enough common sense to complain and put a halt on it. But mind you, that will go the same way as every other government once the money starts flowing under the table to the right politicians, because that's how the world works. Sad, isn't it? But it's sad but true. Now, everybody knows what happened with the big collapse last time, with all these bubbles that were created where... Uh, really nonsensical stocks were blown out of proportion for increased value as you, as you bought and sold these stocks all over the planet. And everybody who bought them thought they were going to get more than the last guy and more than the last guy until it was just a one massive balloon, uh, one area after another, including the housing market. Well, this article here is from Raw Story. And it's September the 5th, 2009. But it says here, the secularization of mortgages, uh, bundling mortgage policies and selling them on to investors is considered to be one of the major reasons for last year's financial collapse. Now Wall Street banks want to do it all again, but this time with life insurance policies instead of real estate. The New York Times reports that large investment banks are lining up to begin 
securitizing life settlements, life insurance policies that ill and elderly people sell so that they can get cash before they die, probably to pay for all their medications. As according to the Times, um, banks plan to securitize these policies in a Wall Street jargon by packaging hundreds or thousands together into bonds. They will then resell those bonds to investors like big pension funds who will receive the payouts when people with insurance die. But what a world we live in, eh? <laughs> really, what a world, eh? It's like a big casino where they're gambling on when you're going to die. The earlier uh, the policyholder dies, the bigger the return. Though if people live longer than expected, investors could get poor returns or even lose money. Well, that's the same con, actually, they're using with uh, the health uh, and the pension industries in the British Commonwealth countries. And they keep talking about upping the retirement age. That shows that you the hope that you'll die before you can claim the money. That, that's the reason. That is the reason for it. You know, they just want the money. They don't, they don't want to pay anything back to you. They just want the cash, you see, because we've got lots of wars to fight. And stuff like that, you see. Yep. So it says here, um, life settlement companies, companies that buy life insurance policies and cash in when the original possible dies, have been around for some time, but this would mark the first time that life insurance policies are turned into big business on Wall Street. The faster you die, the more investors make. One of the principal dangers in this plan is that it creates an incentive to see ill people die quickly. Well, Sure. The investors who buy life insurance policies have to pay the premiums on those policies in order to collect them when the original holder dies. So the faster an ill person dies, the fewer premiums have to be paid and the higher the profits. This can only come out of civilized countries, you understand. Yeah. Uh, conversely, life insurance uh, securitization, uh, securitization would create a disincentive for funding cures or finding cures for disease. Well, that's already there. Pharma makes sure of that. They want to treat you for your whole life, but they don't want to cure you because then they can't have you buying pills for the rest of your life, right? If a person sells their life insurance policy and then their illness is cured, the investor who bought the policy would lose the money. As the Times points out, in addition to fraud, there's another potential risk for investors that some people could live far longer than expected. That really ticked them off. It is not just a hypothetical risk. That's what happened in the 1980s when new treatments prolonged the life of AIDS patients. Yeah, they were gambling on them dying, you see. Investors who bought their policies on the expectation that most victims would die within two years ended up losing money. Again, only in civilized countries could, could you have these kind of sharp con men, these con men that can, they can, they can see this. They, they can, I always remember Rothschild, you see, when he was asked, when's the best time to make money? He says, when the blood is flowing in the streets. And it means during an incredible crisis or catastrophe, that's where you can see an angle. These guys, they, they're like sharks. They sniff it immediately. They know where it is. You and I would never even see it. We'd walk over it a thousand times. But they see, they see the angle right away. It's like the Council on Foreign Relations. With anything that happens in their favor, they always say, we can use this disaster to our advantage. They immediately see it and use it. These are psychopaths, you see. Only psychopaths can think that way and see the, the angle that they can exploit. Amazing, isn't it? And these are the guys that rise to the top in progressive civilizations. 
Life insurance premiums will go up, it says. A certain percentage of life insurance policies is never paid out by insurance companies. This is because some policyholders stop paying their premiums, either because they no longer need the additional financial security or because the premiums have become too expensive. But if life insurance policies are packaged and sold to investors, those investors will invariably pay the premium until the original policyholder dies. Insurance companies calculate their premiums on the expectation that some policies will lapse. If fewer policies lapse, the insurance industry will have to raise insurance premiums. This defeats the idea of what life insurance is supposed to be, Stephen Weisbart, chief economist for the Insurance Information Institute, told The Times. It's not an investment product, it's a gambling product. We'll be back with more of this wonderful world after this break. Hi folks, this is Alan Watts and we're cutting through the matrix reading an article about the the trading, uh, the big business in trading of uh, insurance, basically life insurance and how Wall Street's moving in big time. And it says here who's involved, which companies are involved, which banks are involved. It says the Times names two companies that it evidently believes to be heading up the effort to securitize life insurance. One is the Swiss bank Credit Suisse and the other is investment bank Goldman Sachs, of course, of course it is. But Credit Suisse is an amazing bank because they've got stuff here too on the different characters that work for them, and they really uh, help lead the charge for the buying and selling of uh, carbon credits. And every con there is, they're into, you know. And they get governments to, to legitimize the con, like, like carbon credits. You know what carbon credits are? You know what they are, really? It's like, it's like, it's like an old religion and you're trading sacks of sins, you see? That's not it, because there's nothing in it. There's nothing in the sack, really, except your belief. And so you're, you're, you're trading sacks of sins. And you say, well, okay, we're swapping this, these sins here uh, for credits because this came from Canada. This is Canada's sins here. Here's the sins of the U.S., and so they give you these empty sacks, you see. And you look in there, and you're going to be politically correct and say, yeah, oh, my goodness, it's full of them. It's full of sins here. Well, that's what carbon credits are. And all these shysters, these shysters that run the world today and are intent and dreaming up con after con until we're in the worst kind of slavery the world's ever seen, have really, they're on a roll. There's nothing stopping them because, you see, they own the governments and they can buy anybody off. And believe you me, the psychopathic politicians that creep up in governments are soaked to their eyes in debt anyway when you look through their records, all their bankruptcies that they go through on the way up, that these guys are all happy to take the, the cash. And by the way, they're all incredibly blackmailable because of their lifestyles. That's why they like these guys in politics. And of course, they say the Goldman Sachs is in it as well. Some financial firms are moving to outpace their rivals. Credit Suisse, for example, is in effect building a financial assembly line to buy large numbers of life insurance policies, package and resell them, just as Wall Street firms did with subprime securities. The bank bought a company that uh, originates life settlements and it has set up a group dedicated to structuring deals and want to sell the products. Goldman Sachs has developed the tradable index of life settlements 
enabling, it should really be death settlements, isn't it? Enabling investors to bet on whether people will live longer than expected or die sooner than plans. What a world. This is great civilization. It's fantastic civilization. We're on the cutting edge, you know, of progress. That's what we keep telling you. The index is similar to tradable stock market indices that allow investors to bet on overall direction of the market without buying stocks. According to The Economist, the life settlement market in existence today is worth about $18 billion to $19 billion, meaning that about that amount of life insurance policies is bought and sold every year. The Times estimates that a securitized market for life insurance policies could be worth about $500 billion. And that's where the sharks go, where the blood is. Uh, Psychopaths everywhere. What a wonderful world, eh? What a wonderful world. This article here is also about the the wonderful world of Big Pharma because these are all, it's amazing how they're all interconnected when you really go into the big uh, stockholders of Pharma and the ones that are into all these other cons and scams and military industrial complex and uh, who, who encourage governments to, to use as many drones and bombs as they can because they've got to, all got to get replaced once they're done, you see. And they, they, just, they just keep making new ones and they get more cash. Everything's a, a rackets in this world. And all the lefties are no different, you know, with their rackets. Everybody wants to rule the world, don't they? They just don't want to do any work. But they want you to do all the work for them. Preferably for free. This article here, as I say, is from Mail Online about pharma as well and how they're getting to the young girls that they want to give the various Gardasil and so-called anti-HPV uh, vaccines to. They're bribing them now with money. Uh, £45. Pounds, for £45, pounds, the shops bribe for cet- cervical cancer jab for teenage girls. This was February the 14th. Teenage girls are being rewarded with shopping vouchers. Look for the weak spot and, and the age group and go for it, right? That's, that's Madison Avenue. So teenage girls are being rewarded with shopping vouchers for having the cervical cancer jab. Even that's worded wrong because they don't even know if it's going to do anything about it or not. In fact, even the person who worked, and I've read the article from the main, the, the main scientist who worked on these uh, injections, this vaccine, said it would do no good at all. And only covers two uh, I think two or three of the, the viruses when there's, there's dozens and dozens and dozens of them. Girls aged 16 to 18 will be given £45 of vouchers if they complete an inoculation course against the HPV virus, the sexually transmitted infection that causes 70% of cervical tumours. See, even that's misleading. But then again, reporters are not in the business of finding out if they're telling you all the truth or not. A national campaign to vaccinate girls aged 12 to 18 has been criticised over fears it may encourage promiscuity and raise pregnancy rates and and uptake has been low among girls 16 to 18. No, the reason is because they found out some girls have been dropping dead after getting it. That's the real reason, not because there's nonsense here. It says now the £22,500 pilot scheme gives young women Love Shop to Shop. That's the name of the shop, I guess. Love to Shop. Love to shop vouchers if they have three injections. No parental consent is needed. Bosses at the National Health Service, Birmingham East and North, which is carrying out the pilot, said it has real benefits for health. The project could be rolled out across the country, but campaigners claim the scheme amounts to bribery. Oh, no kidding, eh? It's just Pavlovian, eh? Do you want this? 
take this or I'll shock you. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. This is Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix. And there's a couple of callers on the line, so I'll go to Zach from New England. Are you there, Zach? Yes, I'm there. How you doing? Not so bad. I just uh, wanted to share with you today, I uh, turned on the local news uh, to get the weather forecast for tomorrow, and I, I caught a, a segment uh, that was tied into national news about the, the dog show that's on tonight, Westminster. And they started off the story talking about, uh, before the break, like a segue into the show, they talked about a dog that was stolen in New York City. And then they, there was a commercial break, and uh, they cut back to their show and, and uh, did this whole big thing saying uh, when this family got home from this camp where they were at, uh, they, you know, they lost their dog, and they checked the answering machine, and uh, there was a message saying that uh, uh, they found their dog or something, and, and they said they wanted they they asked how much money they wanted for the dog, and uh, the owner said, well, they'd be willing to give up fifty bucks, and then they hung up, and then all of a sudden they 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 uh, cut into the dog show, and they talked about security for the dogs and stuff. And of mm-hmm. course, they mentioned uh, offhand about the how the dogs are chipped, and I I just thought it was interesting. Kind of made me wonder whether or not the original story about the dog was even mm-hmm. real, whether or not there was a dog that was lost or stolen, yeah. or if it was just conveniently used so they could, you know, talk about mm-hmm. the microchip for snob appeal, like you yeah. mentioned before. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have another quick quote for you too. I happened to watch the. Uh, Opening Olympic uh, ceremonies, uh, and I thought it went uh, went along with the predictive programming. There it was uh, John Furlong. It's real quick. Uh, he says uh, in his little opening remarks, he says the, the Olympic flame has touched many millions and prompted spontaneous, peaceful celebration, reminding us all that those values that unite and inspire the best in us, we must never abandon. He says as the Olympic cauldron is lit. The unique magic of the Olympic Games will be released upon us. Magic so rare that it cannot be controlled by borders. And there was a pause, and it made me think, geez, you know, they're kind of getting in people's psyche, preparing us for the takedown of the borders in 2010. And it, mm-hmm. it was, it's, you know, kind of a clever way to do it. I can see how pretty much all this is predictive programming. Well, it is. Even the, the rings, the five continents and all that interwoven interlinked and, and every uh, every um, uh, Olympics they've ever had if you look at the symbology especially the closing one the opening and the closing you'll see you always see the two pillars at the back somewhere there's always two pillars and the fire and all the rest of it and all the the usual um, occultic symbolism and uh, it's interesting to talk about how it brings us all together and yet these athletes would kill each other to get the gold I'm not, I'm not kidding about that too you know and the yeah, they shop each other. If they know someone else is taking drugs, they'll, they'll set them up or they'll make sure the inspector walks in at the wrong moment when the injection's been given. That's how mean they are towards each other to get to the top. So it's, everything is propaganda. 
go yeah. for that right there. Yes. Ninety-four. That's right. Well, that goes on all the time, and um, I think Adolf Hitler said when he went to the Olympics in thirty-three or whenever it was, he said that uh, he says uh, sports is just the peacetime uh, form of warfare, and that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, hey, I want to thank you too for your Friday's poem. I had that in the back of my mind when I went to the Boston Museum of Science on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> kind of funny. But anyway, uh, thanks for all you do, and uh, I'll let you go. And thanks for calling. And there's uh, David in Washington. Is David there? Yeah, hi, Alan. Hi. Hey, uh, just to back up uh, to the beginning of your program, you were talking about GMO and corn. Mm-hmm. And uh, it brought to mind uh, something that happened here where I live. Uh, I feed the birds, and I was over on the mainland uh, a few years ago and went to one of the stores, and they had a 50-pound bag of cracked corn for about three or four bucks. And I thought, wow, what a deal. I'll just uh, feed the ducks and I'll feed birds and put a can of it in my van and I go down to the ferry landing and feed them, and I so uh, I I took it and loaded it up and put I put some on my back porch, and the birds, crows even would come up there and land, but they wouldn't eat the stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, it was genetically modified corn, and yes. uh, I took it and threw it all over the place down uh, here at the ferry landing, and usually the the gulls uh, and crows will come around and, and that stuff will be gone before you can turn around and look again. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't touch the stuff, yeah. and it just sat there until it rotted. Yes, that, that's uh, they know all this stuff too. Uh, even the bees were dying with it back oh ten, uh, twelve years ago. The bees in Ontario were dying of them. Uh, and I knew the chief beekeeper for the, who was head of the Ontario Beekeepers of Federation. I used to go into his, his yard, and uh, all the bees coming from the north were coming back uh, in a drugged state, and then they'd, they'd just uh, slowly die. And he inquired from the Ministry of Agriculture, the government, uh, if they had any GM crops and where were they planted, and they sent him the map back of where it was. They were very reluctant to give it to him of these test beds, but they were actually to, right to the north of where his bees that were going northwards were. So they were taking the pollen from this, this stuff, and, uh, of course, they were getting soaked in pesticides, they were getting the poison pollen, and it was killing them. So they, they, they know darn well what's causing this. It was the same thing when they blamed on West Nile virus. It was a bad year for all animals, a bad winter, and even the crows eventually were eating uh, the, the GM seed and they were dying off. They, they learned, though. Crows are very intelligent, and they learn, and they won't touch them now, so you're quite right, yeah. But they blamed on West Nile virus at the time. Yeah, they had some sort of an innate, innate uh, <coughs> sense mm-hmm. uh, in, that uh, turned them right away from it. I don't know if they could... Mm-hmm. What, they, what they detected in it, but they just... It's the same, you know, with the deer. The deer, uh, uh, I've seen them come down to fields when I lived just a bit further south, and they'd always go into the non-GM uh, cornfields and they'd leave the one that was GM-modified right next to it. They'd leave that alone. They'd just go into the natural stuff, yeah. Yeah, people don't, uh, uh, if they don't hold to the, uh, you don't get the understanding or the knowledge of what's going on, uh, they're making themselves sick uh, all 
all sorts of intestinal disorders and things. Oh, yeah. yeah. It is. You're right enough. It's bioengineering. It's uh, people coming down with uh, far more cancers than before, which is only natural when you're taking so much pesticide, incredibly strong pesticide. Monsanto pesticide is ten times stronger than any other type. And you're taking that in with the food because... The plants, remember, uh, live of moisture. They soak up the moisture through capillary action in their, in their cells, and that sucks up the poisons with it too. So it's all throughout the plants. You can't just wash it off. It's in the plant too. And it, it, be, it gets into your, your stomach, um, and it's altering uh, your DNA structure, and you end up with cancers. Yeah. I might mention also uh, something you just said reminded me of a website at... Uh uh, Calgary, uh, mm-hmm. University of Calgary. Yeah. There's a video on their uh, on their website showing uh, it's a microscopic uh, uh, view and a video of it. Uh, the um, uh, mercury destroying the um, well, well the synapses and and, and the uh, it, it actually shows it curling up and, and wrinkling up. It looks like what they That's find correct. in Alzheimer's. Uh, that's cor- I've seen that one, in fact. Uh, I think one even one news station broadcast it on television at one time. And, yeah, it does. It, it literally destroys the, the, the synapses by damaging the dendrites at the ends of the, the, nervous, the nerves themselves. You're quite right. But that's what they put into the inoculations. Now they're telling us mercury is good for you. They tell you it's bad if you break a thermometer. Don't clean it up yourself. Get in the, the disposal guys. Same with you break one of these new light bulbs with the mercury vapor in it. Don't breathe it in. Uh, don't clean it up yourself, it's poisonous. But it's okay to inject it right into you. It's safe when they... You see, what they do is, is they say a prayer over it in, the, in the, the pharma where they make it. They say a prayer, and now it's holy mercury, and it's okay for you. <laughs> yeah, but, um, uh, if people take a look at that, they can see for themselves that the, the, uh, the evidence there is... Well, it's convincing. And, uh, it is convincing, and that's, that's empirical. In other words, you test it, you see what happens. Uh, that's proof there, in the, right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're getting it. Well, okay, Alan. Thanks very much. Good program. Enjoyed very much. Nice to speak with you again. And you take care. Bye. Bye. Thank but that's that's the world we live in, as I say. It, it's like uh, it's like the government uh, here. They are selling your sins. You know these carbon credits, sacks, empty sacks. But it's when they when they pull out the mouth, you see it's now full. It looks kind of full when you open the mouth because it opens up. Now it's full of carbon. You see, uh, that's your CO2 that you're breathing out, and that's your sins. It's the same con there too. But the world is run by cons. The, the most amazing thing is with using Bernays techniques and mass propaganda with the ability of mass media to get it through to you. Uh, they've, they've gone so f- much further than any governments in, in, in previous times could possibly ever imagine. And it works so well, doesn't it? It really does. Now, as the world really goes along this predetermined path, uh, financial amalgamation, everything into this so-called New World Order, which is Tony Blair called it that at the big G20 meeting, and many others called it that too. So did Mr. Brown. It took over from them. They're both Fabians, so they go to the same club. But um, And they are members of the Fabian Society that swore to depopulate the world on behalf of pretending they're for the working people. That's why they have their images. The wolf, the wolf is in sheep's clothing is their motto, you know. You see, they pretend they're there to help the working class. But remember, George Bernard Shaw is up on the, that movie, The Soviet Story. 
You'll see an old rare clip of him, a co-founder of the Fabian Society, talking about, about, uh, it says, you'll have to come to us and justify why we should keep you alive. Because you must work for the state, you serve the system. George Bernard Shaw also um, asked the scientists of Britain back then to come up with a a nice, odorless, tasteless, uh, efficient, quick-acting gas that would kill uh, the, the people painlessly, he said. Humanely, because he wanted to kill off all the useless eaters. No kidding. These are the characters that are in power all over now, the Fabian Society. Yeah. But part of the, 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 the uh, process of going through now, too, is to use cash, this thing that we're all, we're all made to use, and of course we're all stuck on it. So they can do what they want. But now it's time to rope in the, the, the actual paper money, you see. They want you to go all electronic, but they also want to limit your transactions. Not for corporations, just for you, the little guy. This article here is about Greece. It says, Greece to make all large cash transactions illegal. And it says, from Stockholm, Sweden, this article came out. It says, talk about making a currency less attractive, given all the concerns about weaknesses in the structure of the euro money under strong economic headwinds and its foundation in perhaps too loosely aligned euro area, it seems like a bad time to make using large quantities of euro cash illegal, and yet that is exactly what Greece is, is where it's going. Actually, see, the IMF now came down on Greece, and they're, making, they're running the show. Embroiled in its debt crisis and looking for any avenue to bolster tax receipts, has, has done the unthinkable. It's made its own legal tender illegal for transactions over 1,500 euros. Of course, larger credit or debit-based electronic transfers over one and a half thousands will still be denominated in euros. However, electronic transactions clearly require infrastructure and limit personal freedom. And this came from Reuters from the 1st of January 2011. Every transaction above one and a half thousand euros between natural persons, like the legalities here, eh? Natural persons and businesses, which are, of course, artificial entities. But then so are you. Uh, if you're all capitals. And that's, not, that's why you get blocked letters when the government sends you any mail. They have to turn you into a corporate person, a fiction. So here it says, between natural persons and businesses, or between businesses, will not be considered legal if it is done in cash. Transactions will have to be done through debit or credit cards. It seems wrong for the Greek state to dictate how cash euros can be used. In fact, it's surprising that the EU-endorsed plan would allow Greece to control euro usage at that level. Several other primarily tax-related measures are included in the same plan. Deposits in banks outside of Greece are exempted from audits of their origin if they are repatriated within six months of the passing of the tax bill and are taxed with a 5% rate. This is to be a prototype for the whole of Europe. In a new tax scale, there's a shift of the burden from low- and middle-income to high-incomes. Taxable income based on new scales will include capital gains from the short-term trading of stocks. Every autonomous taxation for special professions like engineers, architects, taxis, gas station owners, and kiosks is abolished. Despite the fact that the reform builds a piece of an approved EU plan to help improve Greek tax revenue and reduce deficit, it seems to go too far in curtailing personal liberty. A €1,500 limit for cash transactions seems unreasonable on its face, and it begs the question of what enforcement of the law would engender. I mean, try and see, suppose you were wanting to give 
uh, euro to, to your daughter or your son or something, and you gave them a check, or you gave them cash, you say, well, you know, you, 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 it's a legal act right there. It's basically how much is a government willing to punish its own citizens for using too much of their own legal tender in an otherwise legal transaction. In fact, any cash limit other than those naturally imposed by the sheer inconvenience of carrying suitcases filled with money has a draconian feel to it. It's especially true when combined with the obligatory repatriation of deposits described above. At some level, Greece is steering its own citizens towards being excluded from participation in a market-based society unless they keep plenty of transaction-ready funds stored in Greek bank accounts. But that's to be a, just a prototype for the rest of uh, Europe. You see, Greece had other ways to get out of this, but they were, they were all illegal under the, the new EU laws. You have to do what the EU laws dictate that you do. And this is the way that the EU has given them to try to get out of it. Punish the populace as always. It's always the populace that gets punished, eh? Isn't that something? Not the big guys that trade the market stocks and the bubbles and all that. It's always you. It's always you at the bottom. The more things change, the more they stay the same, eh? Quite something. Quite something. And here's a good article here about the sins, the sins, you know, the sacks of sins they call carbon taxes. And that's all it is. It's just, it's just a fantasy. It's somebody's imagination. And it says, Carbon Markets March On. This is from the Council on Foreign Relations on website, February the 5th, 2010. Joel Cassard's at the UN's December Copenhagen meeting on climate change ended with draft text of an agreement that left many provisions undecided. The subsequent uncertainty about the future of international action on climate change suggested that interest in carbon trading and carbon financing could be depressed. But Joel Cassard, manager of the World Bank's Carbon Finance Units, sees hopeful signs in the February 1st submissions by more than 50 countries this is what your countries really did there, on their voluntary emissions reduction actions. And there's a PDF you can get downloaded from this site. I'll put all these articles up on my site, cuttingthroughthematrix.com at the end of the show, for you to download. This is under the Copenhagen Accord. And I'll read this when I come back from this break. Back in a moment. Hi folks, this is Alan Watt, we're cutting through the matrix, reading an article from the Council on Foreign Relations, which is really all about money, the money they hope to rake in and everybody, everybody at the top's going to rake in. It's all about money, all this carbon stuff, you see, not about the nonsense they're telling us. But it's a great con, isn't it? It's a great con, uh, really going through complicated mathematical computations to transfer energy into what it could be if they were carbon. You see, that's that's how they're working out this nonsense and your sin taxes, you see, how you're going to pay. Sacks of nothingness. They pass empty sacks with each other, but you've got to believe there's a lot of carbon in there. That's the whole thing. It's all in the air. It's in your imagination, in fact. It's not even in the air. It's only a very small percentage of the air, that CO2. But you've got to believe it's, it's massive. It's massive, you see. And it says here um, uh, that the, the, the countries, 50 countries done voluntary emission reduction actions and the PDF is here under the Copenhagen Accord which actually I think is the 10th the Copenhagen Accord is the 10th treaty under the Kyoto so it's this is a continuation with more to go until we have nothing left you'll be living in an igloo if you're lucky if, if it's 
if it's deemed to be thermally uh, efficient, they might get to live in an igloo. We feel quite encouraged, but from an outsider's perspective, it may not be as meaningful because there is still so much work to be done to translate that political commitment into the nitty-gritty of implementation, Cassard says, arguing the overall demand for carbon trading will continue to rise. It's all about cash. Plundering the public is always plunder the public. If you talk to companies, all the economic actors working on future development, it's almost now a given that you have to take into account the impact of climate change, which has just been demolished uh, with all the scams that's been exposed that they they got up to 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 bring this con off on climate change. Even Jones, the guy, the one of the guys at the centres of one of the main scandals out of the many. Uh, has done a U-turn on that and says what's actually been cooling for the last 15 years. Complete U-turn. Says she notes that movements, uh, and, and he was a professor that led the East Anglia group on this climate change for the IPCC. It's almost now a given that you have to take into account the impacts of climate change. She notes the movements on a U.S. carbon market is also playing a role in improving the outlook for global carbon markets. Money, 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 money. It's not enough that they, they take your pensions away from you. It's not enough that they're actually trading on your living or dying with insurance policies. Here they are out to take every last dime off you uh, under this, well, you're breathing too much. You see, you're destroying our planet, you know. Yeah, but you, So you have to really tighten your waist a bit and cough up more cash to us. This is what it's all about. Master and slave. Master and slave. We do hope that this legislation adopted by the U.S. It will include some sort of cap-and-trade scheme, she says, that will create a lot of demand for emissions-reducing projects in developing countries. Utter nonsense. In fact, a lot of the far lefties have left the far lefties because they, they say, why should th- these countries like Africa have the right to decide themselves how they want the, to get power, to power their own energy for their own possible industries coming up and all the rest of it. This stuff at this uh, Copenhagen Accord is putting Africa into a position where it will be unable to do that. You can't, if you put up a couple of solar panels, you're lucky to light a, a, a flashlight bulb. Never mind run a, a plant. So it's going to keep them in a primitive state, but that's what they want at the top. That's what they want. That's what they want at the top. Well, I'll put these links up as I say. So from Hamish, myself in Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>